Louis Giglio, pastor of Passion City Church, also original visionary of the Passion Movement. Remember that phrase, living for the fame of Jesus? I know when I was a student, we all used to say that. Well, we got that from Passion. He made us look far into the cosmos, remember, indescribable, and how great is our God. But now he's taking us back home into our proverbial private spiritual dining rooms. Got a brand new book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. So... Hello, Louis. Long time no see. Hello. It's so great to be with you today. Wonderful. Missed you. You better are. That's the right answer for South Africa. So I'm wondering, how are you? And I don't want the easy answer. Um, I'm just thinking COVID and I'm thinking here in your bio, it talks about difficult seasons for both you and your wife, Shelley. So when I ask you, how are you? I mean it. Yeah, we're doing really well here. We are, um, as South Africa has experienced sort of on the you know, the roller coaster ride of the unknown. And we sort of came out of the COVID climate a few months ago, looked like life was pretty normal. And now we're going back into it with a new wave. And so making adjustments. And that's been the name of the game for the last year and a half. You don't plan too far in advance. You just trust God for the day. And uh, Shelly and I are grateful to be uh, well And to be in our right minds for the most part, you can be the judge of that today. (laughs) And we really uh, just wanted to say our hearts have been very much uh, focused on our friends in South Africa. Know that you guys have been through a rough few weeks, particularly, Mm -hmm. and a lot of prayers, thoughts, and a lot of love has been coming from this part of the world to your part of the world. Thank you. Have you had it? Uh, No, I have not, as far as I know. <laughs> Didn't taste no one to know. Yeah, no, I've been well, and um, you know, it's uh, been a a stretch. Where as a leader, a pastor, you can't predict what environment you're going to be in on any given day. But um, the Lord has been gracious so far. Uh, we do have a lot of friends who are uh, not well at the moment. Some very seriously not well. And it's been that way for quite uh, a long ride now. But we're grateful to be here, and it's awesome to be talking to you today. I am fascinated because I read in this last bag of yours that this last Passion 2021 had 700,000 people from 150 countries online. Now, I mean, I remember the Passion we had, yeah, 40,000 people in one venue. And we thought, wow, now this is amazing. And we thought with COVID, everything is going smaller but somehow you just burst out of the seams. Well, that was all because of COVID, actually. You know, that's one of the silver linings. And I didn't even know what a silver lining meant until uh, recently. So that shows how far behind I am. But oftentimes when there's a really dark cloud in the sky and the sun is behind that cloud, to the human eye, it looks like there's literally a little silver ribbon around the edge of the cloud. And... We've been looking for those because there's been a lot of dark clouds in the sky for the last few uh, months or year and a half or so. And one of those has been what we're doing right now. I'm able to be in South Africa right now, and you're able to be in Atlanta, Georgia. So the year before, we had 60,000 students in a big football stadium here. We thought, wow, that might be the biggest passion of all time. And lo and behold, 12 months later, Because of COVID, we had to do the conference mostly online. We had maybe a 1,000 people in the building, but people wanted to be a part. And they joined us online from countries all over the world, including South Africa. 
and somewhere around 750,000 people linked in virtually to spend New Year's Eve lifting up the name of Jesus. How amazing and awesome is that? In the middle of COVID, God uses something like COVID to take the story of Jesus to more people than we could have ever imagined. So do you think this is an indication of how people are feeling, that they are more receptive, that they're more open, that they're seeking more, you know, that more people would be tuning into a virtual event of passion, an indication of where people are at worldwide? I think there are two things going on, and this is just, uh, I don't have any data to back this up, but I think people who were nominal Christians, meaning I show up at church because that's what I do, I think some of them are dropping off the back of the train right now. They're realizing that it wasn't as important as they thought it was in their life. They didn't, their, their relationship with God was more something they did than a real true relationship with a person. And I think some of them are falling off the back. I'm not sure some of them will ever come back to church because they've learned in a year and a half. I don't really miss it that much. Mm-hmm. I think more people are finding Jesus. They're searching, they're empty, they're lonely, they're scared. And the gospel found them virtually because they weren't going to walk through the doors of a church. But now virtually churches in their living room or in their office or on their desk. And so many people have heard the gospel and they're like, I had no idea. I want a relationship with this God. Uh, Really fast, we had an Easter gathering in uh, the first Easter of COVID uh, in 2020, all virtual, only 20 people in the building, but we were broadcasting to the world. We had Sadie Robertson Huff and an athlete here named Tim Tebow, who happened to marry Miss South Africa, Uh of course. We know. (laughs) So he's famous now. Uh, And myself, we three did the message and a girl on a dairy farm in the middle of Wisconsin, up in North United States, somewhere probably like out on a farm in South Africa, no city nearby, no church, no youth group, no, no nothing. Just we're out on the family dairy farm in Wisconsin. She sees it on Sadie Robertson Huff's Instagram feed, who she loves. Uh, that she's going to be speaking at some church on Easter. And she goes, okay, I don't go to church, but I'll check it out. She finds Jesus, puts her trust in Jesus at the end of the gathering. There's another gathering later on the same Sunday. She goes and gets her sister, brings her to church online (laughs) in their bedroom. Her sister gets saved. Two weeks later, they get their brother to come to church online, and he gets saved. Three teenage Kids and a family on a dairy farm in Wisconsin are Jesus followers today because of a global pandemic. And that's just, it doesn't make it easier. It doesn't lessen the loss, the pain, the hardship of these last few months. But it does show you that, show us that God is greater. And we've heard so many stories like that. We're going to tell some more in a few Sundays. Uh, We're telling the story of a family in Brazil and a family in Kenya who have had their lives changed by something we're doing in Atlanta, Georgia. So God is reaching more and more people. And I think there are a lot more people to be found yet. 
Mm, that's true. One thing about this whole pandemic that's been happening is that they psychologically, they're talking about the isolation and destructive thinking, specifically to do with this whirlwind mm. spiraling down of how people with loss of jobs, loss of income, just loss of relational being together, all of that brings people to a very dark place in their minds. And even as Christians, we struggle with the same thing. And then you take it one step further in this book of yours, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at your table. Explain this whole thing because I think it can help us with where we're at at the moment. Well, I do think that a lot of us are struggling with uh, hopelessness and the message that God wants to bring to the world and I think particularly to a nation like South Africa, which still is the jewel of Africa, I would like to remind everyone, still is the best hope of the nation of Africa, still has a purpose and a plan in God's economy. And I believe South Africa isn't on its last days. I believe South Africa really does have bright days ahead. And all of us, South Africa collectively, uh, I think has been really through some hard days, especially when you put the violence of the last few months on top of a pandemic, on top of what was already a fragile climate. Um, And most people are like that. Most of us already had some things happening beneath the surface. We already were in more crisis than we thought we were before the global pandemic hit. And a lot of that is not um, random. We have an adversary, and that's what this book is about. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And where does he want to start that? He wants to start it in our mind. That's where he started with Adam and Eve. They were in paradise. There were no negative circumstances. There was no pandemic. There was nothing to complain about. There was no death, no loss, no disappointment. It was paradise. (laughs) But what did he do? He planted doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve. And that's what he does to me personally. That's what he does to most of us. He starts by just casually coming to grab a seat at the table of our mind. He starts planting thoughts and seeds of thoughts that are contrary to God's ways. And if we don't recognize it and we don't address it, all of a sudden those thoughts take root and what we think ends up shaping the way that we live. And I had a big wake-up call a few years ago going through a hard season of leadership. There'd been a lot of things said and a lot of things done. It was just a tough go for a few months. And at the end of it, something had happened, which was a little tiny bit of vindication. And I texted a friend looking for commiseration just for somebody (laughs) to say, hey, no, you're, you're a good guy, Louis. And my friend loved me enough to send me back a text. It wasn't the one that I wanted, but it was the one that I needed. It was nine words. And they sent back the text that said, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. In other words, you don't need commiseration today. You need to wake up and stop living like an orphan because you are a child of a king. And those words, they really did change my life starting in that moment. And I think of them multiple times through every week, even though it's years later now. And as I've shared this message around the world, it's encouraged people the same way it encouraged me. So the enemy wants to slink into the story. He wants to slide quietly into the conversation. He wants to plant a thought that's contrary to God. And we have the authority through Jesus to say, you may prowl around, but you can't sit down at this table. I'm always fascinated with this thing that words accomplish so little unless it's God's words. 
when you speak truth like wow. this, when we live life and that's our reality, you don't realize Satan is grinding me now. You just live life and it's hard. But when someone comes and gives you that perspective, just from the outside, nine little words in your life from the outside to tell you, okay, just pause and realize what's going on. And you saying that every now and again, you face with the same truth. It's, it's not like you hear it once and it's done. You know, it's nice when you can get a book title, and I can say this about this one because it's not my, my nine words. Uh, I, w- I didn't even come up with the title. But it's nice when you get a book title that helps you as much as the whole book does. Um, a friend of mine wrote a book not too long ago called Don't Quit in the Dip. I was like, I don't even need to read the book. Yeah, I get it. Thank you. I'm not going to quit on the low day. I'm going to wait till there's a higher day. And if I still feel like I need to quit on the high day, maybe that's the Lord speaking to me. And I think this book is the same way for me. I'll, I'll be uh, getting into a little low spot or I'll start feeling sorry for myself or want to throw a little pity party or want to get a little bit of revenge or be fearful or anxious about something. And all of a sudden, the words, they just appear right there. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. In other words, hey, let's don't dwell on this thought anymore. It doesn't match the character of God, the ways of God, the heart of God the will of God, or the word of God. And so it's not going to get a chance to stay here. And I think that this is the message of this book that I want people to understand. We don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to say, well, my parents were worriers and I'm a worrier. That's just the way we've always been in our family. You're in a new family now. Your father is the king of the universe. He's never worried one day in his life and he's not worried right now. Therefore, you don't have to be a worrier either. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. If you feel like you can't make it through today, guess what? God didn't tell you that. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. If you feel like you're not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough, didn't come from the right family, don't have what it takes, that you're just not enough, guess what? Your good shepherd didn't tell you that. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And it's not simple, but it is possible. And I was talking to a neuroscientist recently who is South African, and they were saying that in 66 days, this is science, not preaching, in 66 days, if you think a thought that's true, or if you think a thought that's negative, Either in 66 days you can create a neuro pathway in your mind, a new highway in your mind. So this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not a snap of the fingers. It's not a quick decision at the end of a message at church. But if you think the truth for 66 days straight, you focus on a true thought, you create a brand new pathway in your mind of the truth. And, so, and I just want people to believe that we can change the way we think. Mm. And it's always good to be part of the body of Christ for the days where you don't get it right, where you can't handle it. And the devil does end up at your table to have someone else who cares enough, body of Christ, who can look you in the face and send you the nine words. Absolutely. And that's what I'm so grateful for, for that day. And that's who we do need at the table. I mean, there is a good shepherd already at the table. That's <laughs> kind of the message of this book. But we need good friends around the table, friends who know how to laugh. But we also know friends who are willing to love us enough to tell us the truth when we need to hear it. Okay. I just want to give you the opportunity to pray for us. Yeah, we are in South Africa, and some of us are in really dire situations. It's hard sometimes, and sometimes you feel it's very hard to stand. We'd love for you to pray for us in these circumstances, please. 
Father, I do just thank you today that you are the God of heaven and earth. And I thank you today that your heart is still beating for South Africa, not just the nation, but for every individual person that's listening today and every individual person who needs to be listening today, but they're in a circumstance or a situation where they don't even have access to good truth. And Lord, I pray today, like I pray for our nation, that you'll raise up men and women of, of nobility, who have courage and who will lead justly. Lord, we need you to raise up men and women who have the ability to lead the people into the ways of truth. So I pray against every enemy plan, and I pray that you, God, would allow your people, your church, to rise up in these days. That you would awaken the hearts of people to what they need most, which is the truth of the gospel of Jesus, that gospel that brings us to life, that gospel that transforms us, and that gospel that has the power to reconcile people at the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray hope, and I pray faith. I pray protection, Lord, over people in this nation. And I pray that you would continue, Lord, to allow people to know that even though the night is dark, that the light has not gone out on this nation. Tears may last for the night, but your word says joy comes in the morning. And I pray, God, that there will be a morning coming, a bright new dawn coming for South Africa. Lord, it, it will, will require a miracle. But you are a miracle-working God. And so we ask that out of the chaos and out of the crazy and out of the frenzy and out of COVID and out of political strife and unrest, that you, God, will emerge and the nation will see and hear that you are the Lord. And I just trust today that those seeds of hope and confidence will continue to be planted, that a harvest will come in a season that we cannot see today, but will come in the days ahead that will bring you great glory. And I trust that you'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And from our side, thank you. Thank you for your time. It's always wonderful to have these conversations with you. But I do pray for protection over these relationships in your life, the ones that have input in your life, that you'll always have a teachable spirit, that you'll always be willing and have the capacity to learn from the nine words sent your way so that we can learn from you. And uh, protection over your health and over the influence that you have, that will always be pure. The undiluted truth always go forth from your pen and from whatever the platform is that the Lord gives you. Thanks, Louis. Appreciate your time. Thank you. And uh, Lord willing, Passion will be back in South Africa, not too uh, far into the future. We're anxious to be back and praying for you guys all the time. Thank you so much for having me today. Grateful.